Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be back. Um, you know, Laura and I and the kiddos, we've been gone on vacation a couple of times this month, and so I've missed seeing you, and so it's good to catch back up with everybody. And so for those of you who are here, whether you're here and I can see your smiling faces, and Pastor Nick, you're right, they do look good from up here. Maybe it's because I'm at a distance. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just messing. No, you guys look good. Whether you're here in the room or you're joining us online via video or audio or whatever it is, we're just glad that you're here. And we want you to know this is really important. We know it's important to you, but we want you to know it's also important to us. And that is that Northridge Church is a safe place. It's a safe place no matter where you are in your journey and your faith. Even if you're here and you're like, I don't even have faith. I haven't even put any trust or hope in Jesus yet, but I know that there's something missing or maybe you're just somebody dragged you here or whatever the case is, no matter why you're here, this is a safe place. We're just glad that you are here. Um, and so I just want to remind you, Pastor Nick already mentioned it, but tonight, Summer at the Park, Peaceful Valley Park, there is parking. Just ignore the police signs. Uh, Police officers, I know it's just because it's not Monday through Friday, okay? So you don't need to worry because it doesn't apply to us for tonight. So be there. And let me just tell you, we, two weeks ago at our summer at the park, people came out of the woodwork. We had so many people. It was crazy. I mean, like Kona ice, brats, hot dogs. We seriously, we sent Greg to go get more meat uh, because we, start, we ran out. And so he got some more stuff and ketchup and mustard and all that stuff. So it was an awesome time. We had a blast. We're looking forward to it again. And seriously, for every person who's a part of Northridge, we're asking that you come to at least one. You can come to all three if you want, but come to at least one because we need to reconnect as a church. We are nothing if we are not connected as a church. And so we want to get reconnected, re-up, and, uh, and just have a good time. So that's all it is tonight. We're just going to have a good time. So we'll see you there from 6 to 7.30 tonight at Peaceful Valley Park. Um, all right. How many of you remember when you first got your driver's license? All right. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember how excited you were? I don't know about you, but I was, I was mostly like 90% excited, 10% terrified right? Because I hadn't quite hit the whole interstate thing yet and like getting on and, and all this stuff like, but it was exciting to kind of get, you know, the driver's license for the first time. Uh, well, I remember one time when I was in high school, it was probably my first year of driving, maybe my second, but it was early on. I had, I, you know, I was still learning how to drive and getting really comfortable and confident in it. And I was in high school and it was a school day and I, uh, my alarm went off but I realized that I had hit the snooze a few too many times, and now I had like 10 or maybe 15 minutes before the final bell rang at my high school. And so I knew, oh man, I am in trouble. I am late. This is not good. I was usually pretty good about this, but I, was, I just overslept. And so I jump out of bed. I, you know, I throw the first clothes on that I have. Hopefully they were clean. Uh, I got my teeth clean, I'm pretty sure, that morning. And on the way out, I may have grabbed something to eat, maybe not, but I jump into the vehicle, right? And, and you know how you, you, you have the, the garage door button on the visor, right? So as soon as I, like, even as I was getting into the vehicle, I hit the garage door button 
button to start the garage door going up. And I'm like, I'm in a hurry. And so I crank the car up. I throw that thing into reverse. And I, I'm trying to back out as fast as I possibly can. And within two seconds, I hear this awful grinding, metal on metal. <laughs> just awful. Like, I just, this was not good. And so I hit the brakes. I turn around. And sure enough, my fear is realized I did not give the garage door enough time to get up before I slammed into it with our vehicle. Oh, that was a good start to the day, right? I mangled the garage door. I mean, it was a mess. Thankfully, the car was okay, but the garage door was completely mangled. Well, I say that to say this. Priorities matter. Order matters. Things, some things are more important to do first than other things because these things are more important to take care of before these things, aren't they? For example, letting the garage door go all the way up before you back the vehicle out is a good idea. That's a priority, isn't it? Maybe waking up on time so I wasn't in the, the problem in the first place is a good idea, right? Priorities matter. How we do things, the order in which we do things matters a lot. In fact, let me give you four little fun life hacks that might improve your life if you just change the order in which you do them. All right, let me give you the first one. Email attachments. How many of you have ever sent an email that was supposed to have an attachment, but you sent it and you forgot to attach it? Anybody else in the room with me on this one? Okay, yeah, I've done it a few times. Okay, here's a novel idea. Attach the attachment first, then write the email. Isn't that beautiful? Because then you write the email, then the attachments are there, then you're not going to forget. Okay? So that's, that's a priority. Let me give you another little life hack. And by the way, you can find all these online, of course. Another email thing. How many of you have ever sent an email to the wrong person? Anybody ever done that? Or how many of you have sent an email before you were done writing it and it was half done and then you have to finish the second email and send them another one? Okay, I've done that, both of those things. So here's an idea. Write the email first, prioritize writing the email, and don't fill in the to line, don't put the address in until you finish writing the email. Simple, right? Because then it won't send. Here's another thought. How many of you love taking pills that you have to swallow? How many of you just love that? How many of you have children? My children hate swallowing pills. They like the chewable kind if they taste like cherry or grape. They hate swallowing pills. Here's a novel idea. Put the water in your mouth first and then pop the pill in with the water and then it'll go down with the water. Now, this is one of those things when I read this life hack, I'm like, that's not a life hack. I've been doing that my whole life. I've been trying to convince the rest of my family to do this. And you know what they say? Oh, that's weird. That's stupid. No, just pop it in. You know what happens when you pop the pill in? We all know what happens. It sticks to your tongue or the roof of your mouth or your tooth or whatever. And now you're trying to guzzle more water like, ah, it's stuck to my tongue. Well, solve the problem by putting water in your mouth first. Prioritize, right? And then here's one more. And I love this one. We don't think about this one. Eat before you go to the grocery store. Right? Why should you do that? The reason is because if you're like me, everything you see looks good and you're going to want to buy it, right? That's, I, I go to the grocery store. Laura knows this. She, there's, there's, one, there's a lot of reasons I don't grocery shop. But one reason is because she knows whatever's on the list, I will tend to get at least two to three times whatever it is, 
right? Because I see all these things. I'm like, ooh, I never go to go grocery shopping. So yes, we need some Cheetos. Like for sure. Obviously, why don't we need Cheetos? We need Cheetos. And then there's this and then there's this. Eat before you go to the grocery store. So priorities matter. So today we're going to continue our series that we've been in called Different for a change. We're talking about changes in our life, 12 things that we can change in our life that will help us to have a better life, but also will help us to be more faithful followers of Jesus. And so today, we have a little bit of a mini-series for three weeks in the middle of the series. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about priorities. What's more important than other things? What things should come first before other things? And so we're going to talk about that. And let me just tell you that today's priority is probably the most important resource that you have available to you. It's the most important commodity that you will ever have. The most valuable thing you could ever need. Time. Time. No matter how much money you have or how little money you have, nobody can either buy or not be able to buy more time in a day or in a week. Those of you that are here, you made it through this week. Congratulations, right? And by the way, I've had some conversations. Some of you, this was a rough week, and I'm sorry for that. But we made it through this week, and guess what? All of us made it through this week, and so every one of us had 168 hours this week. You had 168 hours. I had 168 hours. We all had the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. No matter where you live, no matter who you are, we all get the same amount of time. Time is something that just keeps ticking, doesn't it? Which means time is valuable because we all get the same amount. We can't buy more. And so when we talk about this phrase today, I want us to think about how we are using our time. Because I would say, if there's any topic that is most relevant to our culture today, it is the question, how are we using our time? How are we spending it? What are we doing with it? And so the phrase I want us to focus on today is this. Waste less time, redeem more time. Waste less, redeem more. So the scripture I want to focus on is found in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you like to follow along on your phone or in your own Bible or whatever it is, go ahead and turn there. You're going to find the book of Ephesians at the end of the Bible, in the New Testament, at the end of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing these words. And he has some very strong, very powerful very forthright words to tell all of us. Now, understand that he is writing to Christians. He's writing to those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. He's writing these words specifically to us. And he has some very strong words to say. So I want to read them, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the context of these words, and then we're going to come back and revisit them. All right? Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start with verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In fact, in the King James Version, it says right there, it says, redeem the time. Redeem the time. In the King James Version, it says, redeem the time. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Some of us in here, we've learned that lesson, haven't we? Instead of being drunk with wine, instead of filling yourself with something that will fleet away, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, strong, clear words from the Apostle Paul. He says, don't waste your time. Be careful how you live, how you spend your time, how you use your time. And so I think that we can recognize right away, these are really relevant words, but here's what I want to do. I want to actually give you a little bit more information on the context that the Apostle Paul is writing in here. Who is exactly is he writing to? Yes, he's writing to Christians, he's writing to followers of Jesus, but who specifically was he writing to and why did he say these words in that moment in this letter? All right, well, the Apostle Paul was writing to a church in the city of Ephesus, okay? So these were brand new believers, people who were just brand new following Jesus for the first time, and they're trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus, okay? And so the Apostle Paul is writing encouragement and challenge to them, and he's writing to these brand new Christians. This is a church that the Apostle Paul established in this city when he was there. Now, at this point, we're pretty sure that Paul was in prison, okay? So he's in prison and he's trying to help these new believers understand how to live according to Jesus. And so he writes these words. Now, the question that I have is, what kind of a city is Ephesus? What kind of a community was Ephesus? Because when I say Ephesus, probably most of us don't go, oh, Ephesus, I love Ephesus. I love learning about Ephesus in school. You know why you didn't do that? Because nobody ever teaches about Ephesus, right? We don't learn about Ephesus. We don't know anything about Ephesus. Uh, the most we, learn, we know about Ephesus, if you've ever heard of the seven ancient wonders of the world, remember the, the seven wonders of the ancient world? Okay, one of the wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, was located in the city of Ephesus. All right, so that's probably the most that anybody ever knows about the city of Ephesus. So let me give a little bit more context. So if we were to show you where Ephesus was located in the ancient world, it doesn't exist anymore, it's just ruins now. But at that time, this is where it was located. You can see the map, you can see Ephesus highlighted very well, right, in big letters. But you can see it's right on the shore, right on the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. If you look to the west, there's the country of Greece, and then a little bit further west, there's Italy and the city of Rome. The city of Rome is like the important city center of the whole known world at this time in history, right? Everything that's happening is happening in Rome. And so if you see where Ephesus is located, it is perfectly located for any ship, any trader, any merchant who is trying to get anything from Italy, from Greece into Asia, that's the perfect spot. They have this beautiful harbor. The ships can pull in there. They can offload their supplies. And when anything is coming from Asia to Greece or to Rome, they would go through Ephesus. Ephesus is strategically located on a trade route, and so it makes it really important. 
In fact, one of the local historians from that time period wrote about Ephesus and said, Ephesus is second in importance only to the city of Rome. That's pretty high up there, right? We know how big and important the city of Rome was. And this historian considered Ephesus to be the second most important city in the region. All right? Now, a couple other things about Ephesus. Ephesus was probably, we don't know for sure, but anywhere from 40 to 60,000 people. So about three to four times the size of Wanakee, just to put it in perspective. Now, this was huge in the ancient world, right? This is a massive amount of people. So it was a very, very big city. It also, one thing that was really cool is it had a theater that was built. These are the ruins of the theater, so we can still go to it. And you can, you can take a plane and go visit this sometime if you want to. But the theater sat 25,000 people. Just to put this in perspective, when the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship not that long ago, there were 17,000 people crammed into the arena that day, that night. This seats 25,000. Okay? That puts perspective of the kind of size that they were dealing with. This is a pretty impressive, amazing city. And then I want to, let me show you one more. This is an artist's rendering of what Ephesus may have looked like. We don't know if it looked exactly like this, but based on archaeology and, and you know, all the ruins and all the evidence, you can see like there's these big open areas. These, those were the agoras, right? The, the Greek marketplaces where trade happened. So Ephesus basically was this. Because you might be looking, okay, this is really great. Thanks for the history lesson, but it's church, right? Why are you telling us about Ephesus? Here's the point that I want to make. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians who lived there. This city was busy. It was wealthy. There was a lot going on. Tons of entertainment. Sports, not the kind that we play, different kind of sports, but tons and tons of stuff going on. Any opportunity, any form of entertainment, anything you wanted, you could have it in Ephesus. It was a place where anything was possible. Dreams could come true, but there was a lot of distraction. See any parallels to our culture today? Hmm. We are so much like Ephesus. So with that context, now let's go back and let me reread those words. Listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying to Christians who live there. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Understand that the people in Ephesus, they probably had a hundred or a thousand opportunities because of where they lived. Their opportunities were great. In the United States, we have opportunity, don't we? There are thousands of things that you and I get to benefit from simply because we live in the United States that other people in the world, they could never even hope to have. Make the most, make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Do you know why he said that? Ephesus was flowing with wine. Oh, man, every corner, right? You could stop at any corner and there's another place. Ooh, let's get another thing of wine, 
right? Why did he say that in this moment to these people? Because he knew he's been in Ephesus. He's like, there's a bar on every corner. Like they're, those, those Ephesians, man, they like to put it back, right? And so he's thinking about them. Keep in, he has them in mind in the prison cell where he's writing to them. He's saying, don't waste your time on that stuff. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't do that. Instead, and then he gives the antithesis to that. Instead of wasting time, spend your time be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Focus on Jesus. Focus on God. Among yourselves and making music to the Lord and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the Apostle Paul saying here? He's saying, be careful how you live. He's obviously promoting, if you remember at the very beginning, he says, don't live like the fools, live like the wise. He's basically saying there are basically two ways to approach your time. You can approach your time and use it like fools, or we can use our time like the wise. Now, maybe you're here and life is good right now. I know that we have two kind of groups of people, especially coming out of COVID and all that stuff and, and, and all the different things. And now we've got to, you know, we're, we're kind of worried about the Delta variant and all kinds of things. But, but we're climbing on COVID. And so we have people in kind of two camps right now. Maybe you're here in the room and maybe life is good. Your job is good. Like your LinkedIn profile is killing it, right? People are seeing that thing. Do you get those notifications? I do. Three people viewed your profile. You're getting noticed. You should probably go on there and do something so that LinkedIn can get more money. Like, you're awesome. You're so awesome. Let's make you more awesome. Anybody get those posts? I get those. I'm like, wow, three people saw my stuff. Yeah. Right? Maybe life is good. Maybe, you know, life is up and to the right. Like, life is good. Job is good. Money's flowing. People want you. They want you at the job, so they're willing to pay you more. You're getting job offers. Man, life is good. Man, you're living like the Ephesians. The city of Ephesus. We can go to the theater whenever we want. We can go hit the wine bar. Woo! Right? Life is good for you. And maybe you're here, and if you're going to be honest, because life is so good, you're struggling with balancing out how to balance that time for Jesus. Maybe you're here, and life is so good, you're getting distracted by all the good. I know I have that problem. When life is good, I tend to think about God less. That's just the truth. When life is good, I think about God less. When life is not going so well, that's when I cry out. God, can you help me out here? And sometimes I wonder if God says, where were you last week when life was really good? Why didn't you call out to me then? I'm guilty of that. Maybe you're here though and you're on the other side of the coin. Maybe you're here and you're scrapping for every dollar. Maybe you're like just trying to keep your head above water. Maybe your job is not good. Maybe it's terrible, right? And no, I'm sure nobody in here has a terrible job, right? You love getting up for work every morning. 
But maybe you're here and you're just scrapping for it and it feels like you just can't get ahead. And so maybe your struggle is you're looking for an escape from your life. Remember that Ephesus was very wealthy, very well-to-do. Lots of good stuff was happening. Man, they had it going on. But keep in mind that Ephesus also ran on the backs of the laborers, the workers. And yes, there was a major slave culture there. My guess is the Apostle Paul led many of them to Christ as well. And so you have all the wealthy, well-to-do, and all the people that are the down and out and the slave culture that are coming together, trying all of them, trying to follow Christ faithfully. And maybe you're here and you're on that other side. You're on the down and out. You feel like you're struggling and you're just looking for that escape. Well, what does the Apostle Paul ask us to do? He asks us to spend our time carefully, wisely. In fact, he writes something different in a different letter to a whole different group of Christians in Philippi, the Philippians. And I want to read one verse from what he says, because it's kind of the same thing that he said here, but in a different way. Philippians 4.8, he says this. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, so again, he's talking to followers of Jesus, One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So let me ask you this. The time that we are spending, are we focusing on things that highlight on that level? How many of you would say when you're scrolling Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Pinterest, there's too many social media platforms. I'm not going to list them all, right? All of the, whatever your social media platform is of choice, right? As you're scrolling through there, let me ask you, do the things that you're seeing and reading, do they line up with this? Are they right? Are they pure? Are they holy? Are they admirable? Are they worthy of praise? Are they excellent? I don't know about you, but I think about half of it falls into the category of like encouraging and then the other half falls into the category of like, right? There's been a few political posts lately in this last year and a half, just a few. People have had opinions, a few. I wonder if we are more consumed with everybody else's life and not as consumed as we need to be with our own life. Are we looking at everybody else's vacation, wishing we were there instead of spending and investing the time in our own family and the moments that we could be building right now? Are we looking at these things while our children are here looking at their things? I'm seeing my own family in this plenty of times. Right? Are we more wrapped up in our screens and what everybody else is doing than what we need to be doing? Are we wasting time? We know this. I think we all recognize this, and I'm harping on this a little bit. But these things are designed. I actually preached about this, what, a couple months ago, a few months ago. These things are designed to suck you in as much as possible. That's why they ask, can I give you push notifications? No. 
And still, sometimes it comes back around and they bring up that stupid video that 10 million people have watched and so that my phone thinks I need to see it too. Is the seal gonna get away from the killer whale? 15 crazy weather moments caught on camera. Anybody seeing those? All the time, ding, ooh, whoa. And then an hour later, I've watched 12 tragedies happen with a tornado and a tree came on this thing. This cat barely escaped and whatever. And I've wasted an hour and my children have as well and we haven't invested in anybody. You see what I'm saying? God is saying to us, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't waste your time. Be careful how you live. This thing will suck you in. And the Apostle Paul says, Let's not live like fools. Let's live like the wise. Let's lean into Jesus. I find myself doing this. When I have 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, what do we usually do? I don't know about you, but th this is what I tend to do. I don't do this all the time. I fight myself on this. But what I find is if I have 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm fine in a corner somewhere. And I'm like, got to check my emails, right? Or that stupid video that came up like an hour ago, I couldn't watch it then because I was in a meeting, right? But now I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens, right? And we just like to, uh, right? And I think the Apostle Paul is saying, let's waste less time. Let's redeem it. Let's take it back. We have a couple of rules in our family because this is, a real, this is a real problem. If I were to say the one major addiction that our culture has, alcohol, drugs, gambling, yes, we have all those. But I would say that the biggest addiction that we have that we don't realize is screens. Information. Information download. We are asked, we're constantly being asked to download something else. Right? Look at something else. Watch something else. And so I think that our family, we've put a couple of things in place. I've mentioned these before, but one is at every time we have a meal at the table, no screens are allowed, including mom and dad. That's the hardest one. Some of you are like, I would love to have that rule, but I like my screen. <laughs> right? And a lot of times our kids, they think it's just for them. These rules are for them. No, they're just as much for Laura and I as it is for them. No screens at the meal table. And uh, another one that we have, and this is a hard one. This is one that maybe you guys have implemented, but you found it to be hard. We have found the same thing. Anytime we get in the vehicle, we are not allowed to turn on a movie or the screen or have iPods or phones out. So that's not just texting while we're driving. I'm saying nobody in the vehicle can have a device unless we're going more than 30 minutes, in which case our children can ask us it's not a given, but they can ask. But we do that because we're going to be in the vehicle together. We're going to look at each other. We're going to engage. Now, is that so hard sometimes? Is there sometimes like, he touched me, mom, dad, he poked me again. Jackson, stop. Hannah, cut it out. Tanner, stay on your side. Yes, we have plenty of those times, and we love them. We're interacting as a family. At least it's real. At least it's not consumed by screens. At least we're not silos in the same room.
It is harder. Heck yeah, it's harder. Screens can parent. You know, the only time, you know the only time that it's quiet? Actually, I'm sorry, there's two times. There's two times when it's quiet. One, our kids are doing something they shouldn't, and now we're suspicious, right? If it's quiet, and we haven't said they can be on screens, now we're in trouble, right? We got to go find them. If it's quiet, it's because we said they can be on screens. It's one of the greatest, easiest parenting tools out there. But we go to it far too often. And so God is telling us, redeem the time, take the time, use it for good. In fact, let me make some general suggestions about priorities. Read to your kids before you touch your phone. If you want to sit down and scroll, ask yourself, how much time did I spend with my kids? Did I spend any time with my kids yet? Sit at the table at a meal before you choose to sit in the front of the TV. That one might be a hard one for some of us. Put the screen away. Have a real conversation. Read or listen to God's word before you get into the busyness of the day. A lot of people say, I don't have time to read God's word. Yes, you do. You just didn't make time. I know, because I have the same problem. If I don't start my day with this, I get to the end of the day going, ah, I missed it. Now, I may have studied for the sermon or the message. That's different. That's, not, that's, for, that's for me to deliver something. That's not what God wants me to hear. Spend time in the Word before you get into your day. Spend time talking to God, praying before worry takes over. One reason we worry so much is because we haven't surrendered it to God in the first place. Spend your time doing that. Give before you take. Listen before you talk. Love before you hate. Sacrifice before you grab. Serve before you lead. Waste less time. Redeem more. Now, I've harped on screens a lot here today. I know you guys have noticed that. I'm not suggesting that we throw our phones away, that we trash our computers, that we trade our cars in, that we unplug, that we call, you know, our our power company and say, I'd like to be taken off the grid. I'm going to go back to the 1700s. My pastor suggested that all this stuff is evil. (laughs) I'm not suggesting we go back to the 1700s. But what I am suggesting is that these things are not evil in and of themselves, but they are evil when they take us and use our time and consume our time when there are far, far, far more important things to give our time to. They are evil. If I ignore my children or my spouse because of my phone. Now, I've harped on phones, but let's be honest. Alcohol is an escape for some people. The Apostle Paul wrote that in these words, didn't he? Sometimes people escape from their spouse and their children and their life and their job with alcohol. That's, they do it because it's, it's an escape. Some people use drugs to do that. Some people are addicted to gambling, the thrill of gambling, and they lose their money because of that. 
Can I be honest with you? Some people use their job, they use work as a time waster so they can avoid their spouse, so they can avoid their children, so they can avoid having real relationships with people that they know they need to invest in and need to work on, but they'd rather not. Job work is easier. People sometimes stay and do work more to avoid the hard stuff in life. The Apostle Paul is saying, use your time to do things that matter for eternity, for relationship. So let me just throw this last thought out. The God of the universe desires nothing more than to spend time with you. I wish I had more time with my dad. Every day. Yesterday was a couple of moments that hit hard for me. Because we come here, we set up on Saturdays, and I remember some Saturdays, my dad would be in the gym, and he would greet me, and he'd say, hey, son, how you doing? Today's a good day. I'm thankful that two years ago, God prompted me to start having lunch with my dad uh, every month. We spent some special good times together in the last two years. Let me encourage you in the same way, your heavenly father, your dad, your heavenly dad, the one that is perfect, not the one that you grew up with or you know whether he was good or ugly or bad or otherwise. I'm saying your heavenly father who loves you perfectly, always has and always will, he wants nothing more than to spend time with you and show you this is awesome. This is why I made you. You are amazing. And yet we choose TV over time in the word. We choose phones and phone games and scrolling social media over prayer. We spend work time instead of time with our spouse and our children. And God is saying, I want to pour into you. I want to love on you. I want to show you how valuable you are. I just need you to give me some time to do it. So the question I have for you today is this. Where are you wasting time? No, seriously, think about it. Where are you wasting time? I know where I'm wasting time. I've got several things that God prompted me. And one of those things honestly was the phone. I go to this very quickly because it's easy. There's no conflict here except a few posts. But for the most part, it's easy because you know what if? If I don't like it, you know what I can do? I just keep going until I find something I like. Where are you wasting time? Where can you redeem the time? And I didn't spend a long time talking about this and I won't today because we're wrapping up. But when you think about the word redeem, do you know what that word means? The word redeem means to take something back from a bad place. 
It means to take something back from a bad place. So where is there time that has been in a bad place that you need to redeem? You need to take it back. Waste less time. Redeem more time. I believe God wants to show us and do amazing things in our life and through our life. But I fear that we're so distracted, like the Ephesians, by all the opportunity around us. And God is saying, let's just bring it back and redeem it. Let's get that time back. Let me show you what I can do, God says. Let's pray. God, we thank you for desiring to spend time with us. Lord, we thank you for desiring to invest in us. God, you are faithful to want us to experience your presence. But Lord, the truth is that sometimes we allow time to get away from us. It's as if we walk through and we go through our day not thinking about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Our priorities can get mixed up. They can easily be jumbled. All of a sudden, we've spent hours on a computer or watching TV or scrolling through on a phone. And we haven't invested specifically or personally in any other person or in our relationship with you and our faith. We've unplugged from you and then we wonder why we're dying inside. We unplug from you and then we wonder why we worry and we doubt and we have so much anxiety in our culture today. We wonder why the numbers are going up so high and in the problems with mental health and it's because we've unplugged, Lord, from your sustenance, your support, your love, your grace, your power in our life. God, we need to redeem the time, take it back, not allowing ourselves to be distracted by our phones, by our alcohol, by our drugs, by our gambling, by the relationship that we shouldn't have. And we need to forsake that relationship and we need to get into the relationships that we're supposed to have. Look our spouse in the eye, tell them how much we care and how much we love them. Look into our children's faces let them know we are there. We're not going to look at them through a screen or, or past a phone, but that they are there, that we love them, that we're there for them. God, that we would listen to your voice and obey it, follow it. Help us to waste our time less and to redeem it more for your glory, for your kingdom. Build your kingdom in our life here. Help us to spend the time, the focus, the energy seeking that. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Would you stand? And